Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. We are in a series called Three in One. It's the Trinity series, and we're looking at one of the most basic foundations, a real tenet of the Christian faith. It's one of those subjects that we don't, we don't meditate on week after week. We don't think about it week on week, and yet the whole way we do our faith stands on this kind of belief. And so now and again, it's worth us talking about it. And we've done this series three or four times at New Life. We do it every two or three years. And uh, Rob started us off amazingly last week, not just by uh, introducing the idea of Trinity, but also by talking about God the Father. And one of the most wonderful things he said, which is so true about all this series, is that it's a mystery. Uh, And one of the jobs of you and I as followers of Jesus is this we have to be willing to embrace mystery and it's okay to ask questions about it but if you can't figure it out then still be willing to embrace it and don't run away from mystery too many people run away from mystery and they end up running away from everything that's really effective and productive in their life They end up running away from what could have been the thing that God has for them in the future because they're not willing to embrace mystery. They want everything just to be able to fall logically and linearly in place in their mind. And yet we're called to embrace it. And there is no greater mystery, even though we are going to do our best to bring out some truths during this series, there's no greater mystery than the Trinity. And we know we're on good ground when great people like Paul the Apostle hint that it's a mystery too. And he wrote part of the Bible. So what chance do we have? You may have noticed the, the little images that are in the background on, on screen. Here it is a bit clearer. This is uh, an ancient image of Trinity. It fails miserably to describe what the Trinity is. Uh, but for centuries and centuries, Christians have used this image or, or similar ones to sort of show what the Trinity is, this intertwinedness, yet it's yet it's one. And if you want to know more about that, then listen back to Rob's message on the podcast or watch it on video from last week. An image that has always helped me over many years is this next one, uh, which sort of shows the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that all of them are God, and yet they are not each other. It's this mystery of God in three persons. Not three gods, not God split into three, but God in three persons. And of course, that has been uh, an ancient tradition and a confession of Christians through centuries. In fact, did you notice that we we sang it in a a song earlier? Uh, Dave chose one of the songs that we should sing to be the creed. And we sang this in the creed. It has been part of Christian creeds for so long. Father God, we thank you 
for your great love for us, for your compassion, for your mercy. Thank you for being the source of all that is good, all that is wholesome. Jesus, we thank you for being the means by which God's love was expressed to us in its greatest way. Thank you for coming. Thank you for showing us how to live and how to love. Thank you for dying to save us from our wrongs, our sins, our shame, our guilt. Thank you for rising again to glorious life, to offer us all new life. Holy Spirit, we thank you for bringing the presence of God here with us today. Holy, holy, holy are you. We embrace you right now. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see and hearts to obey in your name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen. So today we move on from the Father to the Son, the Holy Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's my job today to talk about the Son, which we often call about the second person of the Trinity. We talk about the first person of the Trinity, second person of the Trinity, third person of the Trinity, as if there is a level. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a helpful way to talk about them, but there is no strata, there is no level. We need to understand that. But traditionally, the Son is called the second person of the Trinity. When the scribes of Israel were putting together their origins story, they decided to start not with Abraham, but to choose a, a wonderful poem. And it starts this way, In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty. Or to do the poet justice, the earth was higgledy-piggledy. The earth was topsy-turvy. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was brooding over the waters. And God said, let there be light. The greatest story ever told. What a, what a piece of writing to start off the whole journey of faith, of God interacting with humanity. That's our beginnings of faith. Hundreds of years later, when a follower of Jesus was going to start to do his best to grapple with the story of Jesus. And uh, I don't know how much of it he had already wrote and how much editing and compilation was in it before he handed this piece of writing over. But he, he decided to start his writing off with this. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all humankind. And the light shone in the darkness, and the darkness 
could not overcome it. We're going to dip into that piece of writing today. Or else we could be here for weeks and weeks and weeks talking about the Son of God. And so that wonderful piece of writing we're going to dip into and help us learn some things. Isn't it a profound piece of writing? And when taken with the way the Bible starts, it gives us an image of the Son of God, which, if you pardon me saying this, is bigger than the image of Jesus that most of us have grown up with. It's bigger than the Jesus of the movies. It's bigger than the Jesus of the storybooks. It's bigger than the Jesus of the BBC nativity. It's bigger than the Jesus we portray at Christmas and bigger than the Jesus we portray for that final week, Passion Week at Easter. It's bigger than that when we come to look at the second person of the Trinity. Let's put that passage on screen that I just quoted then. And why don't we read it together? It's good to read this together. Can we have a go? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life and that life was the light of men. The light shone in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Here's the first thing I want us to notice this morning. Just going to pick out two or three things. John is talking about the Word. And yet in line three, it starts with this little word, He. He. You see, he seems to start by talking about an it. In the beginning was the Word. What do you think of when we say that phrase? Some of you will go the Bible. Some of you will go something that God said. Something that God said special to me. In the beginning was the Word. The Word word was with God. The Word was God. And yet line three starts this. He was with God in the beginning. We know what John is talking about. John knew Jesus. He'd been with Jesus. He'd walked with Jesus. He'd spoken with Jesus. He'd been prayed for by Jesus. This is John's attempt to describe to his readers, who end up being you and me, what Jesus is like. Yet he describes him in a way that far surpasses anything that John would have experienced. Maybe apart from one occasion when Jesus did something surprising on a hillside and the Bible tells us he was transfigured before them. That might have been a clue to John that there's more to Jesus than meets the eye. If you want to know more about that, you'll come across it as you read the Messiah. But this is a he. This is not a scroll. John is not talking about the Bible here. He's not talking about the great scrolls that are kept in in uh, tabernacles and in synagogues and in temples. He's not, he's not talking about that. He makes it very clear. He's talking about a person. But who is he talking about? Well, we say it's Jesus. But Jesus was only born a few decades earlier. You remember? In Bethlehem. 
with some bearing sheep and some mooing cattle and a few chickens around and Mary and Joseph and a star shining. Wise men with tea towels and everything. The whole works. That's how Jesus was born just a few, few decades earlier. And yet this isn't, this isn't who John is describing. He didn't say in Bethlehem three or four decades ago was the word. He says, in the beginning. So John is describing Jesus, yes, but there's more to this Jesus than meets the eye. There is something odd going on here. And it's a clue for us to delve into. And that in itself is part of a mystery. But it it tells us this, that before the second person of the Trinity, the Son, before the Son was Jesus, he was Before the son became the baby called Jesus, he already was. And he was for a long time. And there are clues. Here's a little thing which you can go on. You can go on a son of God hunt through the Old Testament. And see if the son of God who who bore the name and bore the body of Jesus later, ever appeared before alongside humans in the Old Testament. And you might be surprised that he did. Well, he did. Go find them. There is something about this person, this Jesus that John is describing which lifts us from this 33-year lifespan and, and takes us still as a person, but through all time. He was with God in the beginning. This word. And he was God. You ever thought about Jesus being around forever? I mean, we would say it out loud, and when we're asked to think about it, we go, of course. But sometimes when we talk about Jesus, we talk, we talk as if he wasn't. And there is nothing particularly wrong with that, because the man who we came to know as Jesus wasn't around forever. But the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity has been around forever. We're going to talk more about that later. But doesn't that already blow your mind a bit? The Son of God. This word. Are there any other clues throughout Scripture about this word? Well, in the Old Testament, they were looking forward to a Messiah. Little did they know they were really looking forward to God coming in flesh. They thought they were looking forward to a human saviour, a human messiah. Throughout the Old Testament of the Bible, we see the hope of the Israelites being on a coming messiah, not knowing that it's going to be God himself. The son of God. I wonder who walked with Adam in the garden. Maybe the son of God. 
Maybe God in his second person. Maybe it was Jesus by another name. Who visited Abraham? Who stood with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in a fire? Who wrestled with Jacob? Who talked to Gideon? I wonder if it was the Son of God. The divine coming and blessing and anointing. The anointed one himself. But this beautiful, pro- profound poem, this, this bit of public reading that John wrote, which some actually say was a hymn, tells us something about Jesus that is greater than our concept of Jesus. Would you agree? He was with God in the beginning. Here's the second point for us to note. Jesus, this Son of God, this second person of the Trinity, is not ancient, but eternal. Not ancient, but eternal. When we talk about Jesus and his arrival and Jesus being with us by his Spirit and Jesus coming back again, we can think, yeah, Jesus is ancient. But this Son of God, this second person of the Trinity that John talks about is not ancient. He is eternal. In the beginning... In the beginning was the Word. Here's a, uh, uh, Sarah Kingman and a team, they, they dress the stage for things we're going through and they happen to have put these two uh, globes in place. There's an old children's song. He's got the whole world in his hands, which is a lovely little uh, picture of the, the greatness of God. And of course, we would have no problem thinking of God, however you imagine God, however you imagine Father. And Rob asked us to think about that last week. We would have no problem with a a giant man with a big beard uh, holding the earth in his hands. And we have that kind of uh, image. Uh, Here, John tells us um, that the second person of the Trinity, the, the Son of God who would become Jesus, was there. Now, of course, this fails to do any justice to it because I'm probably about where the moon would be, all right? So, so the whole cosmos, everything, everything that is, everything that is, God was there, crafting it with his word. And the word was the Son of God. The word was a he. Come back to that thought. Not just, the, not just the earth, but the whole cosmos. Can you imagine the whole universe? I can't, okay? And, uh, and if there are more than one, imagine all that too. Okay, before all that, before time itself, which means the word before is meaningless. Before time itself was thunked up, Jesus, the Son of God, was in community with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Outside of time. That means means Jesus right now, the second person of the Trinity, can see Dan wearing his mask on the front row, picking his thumbnail. And at the same time, in the same moment, if those words mean anything... 
is watching Moses lead the Israelites across the Red Sea. Time, time is in his hands. And the word was there. The word is God. That's magnificent. That's awesome. Rob mentioned the word awe last week. And we often think, when we think about Jesus, we think about the intimacy of the Son of God. We think about him walking with people and being with people and, and teaching them and, and eating with them. And we emphasize the intimacy of the second person of the Trinity taking on flesh and, and coming as, as a human. But there is something about the awesomeness of the Son of God that we must never forget. He is almighty. You say that? He is almighty. He is not almighty. And, and, and I believe, folks, we have a... On this narrow way that we walk, we have to navigate the awesomeness and the intimacy of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is my friend. But he isn't my chummy chum chum. He isn't my buddy. There are places he won't go with me. There are thoughts he won't entertain that I have. That there are things I say that he would walk away from. He doesn't want to be in the vicinity of that kind of thing. There are responses I have to things that he doesn't agree with. He won't stick with me through all the thick and thin. Right? He will try and take me out of it. If he sees me walking in a furrow, getting stuck in sin and dirt and grime, he'll do his best to pull me out. He's not going to walk with me in it. He's almighty. He is God. And so, friends, I, I urge us, as we, as we think about Jesus, and we call ourselves Christians. Christians simply means the anointed one. Christ means the anointed one. It's the same as the Hebrew word Messiah. And uh, we call ourselves Christians. L let's take that example of the anointed one, uh, and not just that Christ is my buddy, but Christ, the awesome one, is my friend. What's the nearest we can get to it today? I don't know. Um, pick any other human being, flesh and blood like you, thinks like you and me, walks like you and me, goes to the toilet like you and me. The queen. If she walks in here today and she comes in and Gary spots her first, sends a message. The queen's just about to come in. What do we all do? Stand up. Whether you want to or not, you would find yourself standing up. Why? Because she carries something. Right? She carries something. She carries more than just she is. She, she carries a sense of awe. Even her closest family members won't go, ah, Mom, give her a big slobbery kiss. If she allows them, they will give her a peck on the cheek. 
more distant ones will take her hand and they can kiss the back of her hand. And that's the queen. And we need to have a sense that God himself, this word, carries this awesomeness as well as being intimate with us. I wonder what this word, word, means when John was using it. And if we, if we go back to the story that the Bible starts with, it, it, it says this, God said, let there be light. That's the first example of the word of God. And I like to think that when John was writing this, he was thinking, you know, Jesus is the let there be of God. The Father is, Father is the one who everything is from, but Jesus is the one who everything is through. Without him, nothing has been made that has been made. Through him, everything that is has been made. When God in the beginning said, let there be, it was Jesus. It was the Son of God being activated. He still says, let there be today. You can change your life in an instant. Speak to darkness and go, let there be light. Let there be hope. Let there be healing. He is still the let there be of God. Third thing to notice from John's writing is this. There is life in him. And there is light through him. It says this, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. So Jesus is not just the word. He is not just eternal. He is life and light itself. Uh, I was thinking about this. If Jesus is the word, he is the antidote to humans' deafness to God. If he is the light, he is the antidote to our blindness. If he is the life, he is the antidote to everything that is deathly about us. And how, how is all this made re re real to us? How is all this, this great eternal word who was with God in the beginning and was God in the beginning, how is it all made real to us? Well, John goes on and we didn't read it all, but he says this, the word became flesh. The Word, the second person of the Trinity, the one who was there before the cosmos, before space and time, the one who said, let there be, and everything came to be. That almighty God became flesh. Jesus was the man God came to be. There wasn't a man called Jesus and God possessed him. 
You know, some people think that. There wasn't a human being who was a normal human being and then through his life as he became more and more open and conditioned to the spiritual realm became godlike. No. Jesus was the man God came to be. He was the man God became. He wasn't a man who was particularly anointed to be a great teacher and a savior. He was God. The man, the God-man who at the beginning spoke the cosmos into existence became a fertilized egg in a woman's womb. The God who knew everything became an unthinking cell. The God who never changed became cells that multiplied every few minutes. And then a baby that grew and grew. The perfect, unspoilt God became a poopy baby. The one who could do no wrong, who could make no mistakes, fell over when he tried to walk. Probably got his first piece of carving, learning from Joseph, wrong and got a splinter in his thumb. The Word became flesh. You know, there are lots of Jesuses. There's some play in the English Premier League. There plenty around the world, and, and it was no different back then. There were plenty of Jesuses back then, I mean, Jesus or Yeshua, however you want to say it. There plenty of them, but there was only one who was the Christ. There was only one who was the Messiah. There was only one who was the eternal word. And he looked like everyone else. I can't get my head around this. He walked like everyone else. He learned the same Jewish songs like everyone else. He had the same lessons at school like everyone else. And he grew and he grew and he grew. And grew in communion with Father and grew in communion with the Spirit. And some people say he didn't really know who he was until his baptism. And some people say, no, he knew who he was by the time he was 12. And I don't know. But at some point he knew who he was. And his mission was to love you in the fullest way possible. So that humankind could have life. And have light. And have the word. Why don't you close your eyes just for a second. I want to talk to those people here. Who maybe you're here for the first time. You've maybe been here a few times. And. You know a lot about faith and 
maybe a lot about Christianity, maybe you've dipped in the Bible, maybe you know more about the Bible than many people here, but you've never had what, what would be called a relationship with God. And it's very difficult to have a relationship with God when you don't understand something about Jesus, the man who God became. In fact, that's why the Son of God became a human being. So that people like you and I could find God again. And I wonder if you're sitting here this morning or you're watching online and you know within you there is darkness. You know within you there is a a deafness in your soul to the things that you need to hear. There is a blindness in you. There is a, a deathliness about your dreams and your hopes and the things that you get up to. Well, I want to introduce you to the Son of God, the awesome, majestic Son of God. The one who says, let there be and everything changes. And he can speak into your life right now. And he can say, let there be light. Let there be life. Let there be hope. Let there be cleanliness. Let there be righteousness. And he can say that because he came as a human and he lived to show us how to live and he loved to show us how to love and he dedicated himself to dying the death of a criminal. Why? So that our guilt and shame and sin could be pinned on him and be taken to the grave. And death was defeated. And today, he offers you life, eternal life, everlasting life. He offers you a freedom from the things that bind you and stop you being all that you should be. He says, follow me. Commit yourself to me. Not just a Jewish man from 2,000 years ago, but commit yourself to me, the eternal God who came as a Jewish man 2,000 years ago to show you my love. Commit yourself to me. I am safe. I am trustworthy. I've got this. I've got the whole cosmos in my hands. Trust me. Trust yourself to me. You give yourself to me and I will give myself to you. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.